Right. Good morning, everybody. What's going on? Well, it's one of my favorite Sundays of the year because while y'all are leaving, there's going to be another group coming in for next service. It isn't happening because they didn't fix their alarm. So, but we're glad that you guys are here. Hey, we are continuing a series that we started uh, five weeks ago entitled Prescribed. And so as we finish this message, I'm um, just going to tell you, um, this has been a challenge for me to preach this morning. I know it's been a challenge for people to hear. But I'm just praying for God's grace that through it, man, we're going to hear what God wants us to hear. And together, as a faith community and as individuals, we're going to experience some life change. Amen. Because that's why we get together. So, um, you know, all of us in this room at one time or another, we have been offended by people and hurt by people. In fact, it's easy in the world that we live currently to get offended, to get upset, um, to feel marginalized, to feel ignored. It just happens. In fact, when I was a, a young pastor, I'd not pastored very long, took my first church as a lead pastor at age 28, and um, I'll never forget this family, man. They absolutely ran me ragged. Now, I'm just going to tell you, you know, ministry is about loving people and being there for people, and that's what I signed up for, and that's part of it, and, and I love doing it, and all of, our, all of our pastoral staff, we love being alongside and doing life with people. However, this family, I'm just telling you, man, their demands were... Uh, they were like slave drivers, and they were constantly needy and constantly calling on me and constantly pulling on my time. For about a year and a half, tr I mean, truthfully, I invested hours upon hours upon hours in this family. You know, their son was going through a hard time, and so the parents called me, you know, Pastor, can you please sit down with our son, and, you know, can you help him out? So I spent a couple appointments with him trying to help him navigate through a difficult time in life. And it wasn't long after that, they were going through a tough time in their marriage and they wanted to come in and talk. And so I spent several sessions with them and they had family members in the hospital. Pastor, will you, will you go see my family or will you go down and check on them? Uh, they went through a time financially, they needed help from the church. So it's like, man, I mean, I was just constantly pouring into these people far more than any other family in the church. And so fast forward again, about a year, year and a half on a Sunday morning, I just happened to notice they weren't there. I mean, people go on vacation, people get sick, people sleep in. I mean, not you people, but other people. And so, uh, I mean, I didn't think anything about it. Well, the next week, I just happened to notice they weren't there again. Well, maybe it was a long vacation. Didn't think too much about it. Week three, when they didn't, I didn't see them again, I called them up. Hey, this is Pastor Steve. Just call me. I've not seen you guys in a couple weeks. And they notified me on the phone that they had chosen to go to a different church. I was like, ah. Oh. You know, man, I'm just telling you guys, listen, I was so offended. I was so offended. I thought, man, I have poured into you. I've been there for you. I've given myself to you. Man, I've helped your kids, helped your marriage. I've been at the hospital. I had looked back over the last year, year and a half, and how much time I had given them, invested in them. And, man, they're just going to leave the church. Like they're just, And they're, they don't even have the decency to call. i got to call them to find out. I'm just telling you guys, in that moment, truly, I was offended in my heart and how, these, how this family had, I felt like, man, personally, just, ah, it was such a tough time. Well, fast forward about a year after that, and had not talked to him in that time, got a phone call back from him. Here, his, I believe it was his father had passed away. And their new pastor couldn't do the funeral. He was out of town. They couldn't use the church. And so they were calling me to see if I could do the funeral and see if they could use our church. Now, I'm just going to be gut honest because that's one of the things I do well and it makes people uncomfortable. But I'm going to tell you what. I was glad they were in a fix. I was happy. Now, I know it's not. I didn't say it was right. 
But I'm just telling you, I, I, I mean, obviously I had compassion. They had lost a loved one. But in that moment, I thought, good. Well, that's what you get for leaving. That's what you get for going to another church. If you wouldn't have went there, I'd have been here for you. I mean, there was something about my heart that, like, I was glad they were in a bad situation. And here's why, and here's what I want you to hear right out of the gate, is that offense often hardens your heart. And man, I was offended at these people. I was offended at the way I felt like they treated me. I was offended at the way I felt like they responded to our ministry. And then to come back and want it, like, I realized in that moment, and certainly looking backwards, that my offense had hardened my heart to this family. Now, let's be honest. All of us in this room, we get offended. We get sold out. We get stabbed behind the back. We get stabbed in the face. We get taken advantage of. We get betrayed. It's just part of life as we go through and navigate relationships that that's what happens. And often, often it's not just people doing it to us, but I think if we're honest, we do it to people. Yeah. It's the world that we live in. And so because this world is so upside down and because in this world, man, we are so busy hurting people and getting hurt and being offensive and being offended, here's the question I want to tackle this final week is this right here. How do we live in a world where people hurt each other? How do we navigate this life? How do we deal with all the hurt that's going on in politics and society and culture and church? How do we manage it? How do we deal with it? How do we get through life and somehow maybe escape unscathed? And I think I got to say these two things up front that everybody needs to know, and you know this intuitively, but we just need to hear this, is first of all, changing people is not an option. You can't change people, you can't, which means you can't keep them from hurting you. You can't keep certain people from thinking certain ways. You can't control people out of certain behaviors. Controlling people is not an option. I mean, imagine if you were sitting at the motherboard in heaven and you could just turn the dials to make every heart the way you wanted it. Well, that's not an option. So controlling people is not an option. Also, avoiding people is not an option. Sometimes we get so hurt that we want to avoid people. We get hurt in family, so we avoid family get-togethers. Or we get hurt in certain places, so we avoid those places. But at the end of the day, we can't avoid everybody. We just can't run from society. We can't lock ourselves in a closet. So if avoiding people is not an option, and controlling people is not an option, then it goes back to our question, then how do we live in a world where people hurt each other? Now again, through this series so far prescribed, this is our sixth and final week. What we've been talking about is that Jesus, the same way you have a regular physician, that when you get sick, when you go through a tough time physically, you go to see them, and that doctor will not only diagnose your disease, but that doctor will prescribe you a remedy so you can get better. And as you look at the ministry of Jesus, you find him behaving in the very same way because what we've come to learn is Jesus, he is the great physician. Everybody say great physician. He can heal hearts, heal lives, restore marriages. There is no sickness that God is not the cure for. God can heal hearts and restore people. That's what he does. So the great physician does the same thing that our normal physician does. We find him in Scripture diagnosing diseases of the human heart and of humanity. And not just diagnosing diseases, not just pointing out our problems, but what we find is that he issues prescriptions. He tells us what we need to do to escape that sickness. And what we said through this whole series is this right here. James says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. I just want you to know today and through all of these messages and through your entire spiritual journey that if you'll hear what God has to say about your situation and we'll take our medicine. Come on, everybody. Take our medicine. I believe that God will do exactly what he promised. God, I can't do it my way, but if I do it your way, you're going to restore me. You're going to heal me. You're going to change us. You're going to fix my family. You're going to restore our community because that's who God is. He promises to lift us up. So 
So, question is, again, how, how do we live in this culture? How do we live in this society that's full of people that hurt each other? You can only win with soft heart and a thick skin. Everybody say that. You can only win with soft heart and thick skin. That's the only way. But the reality is, and this is where we're going to go today, and so I'm, I'm just going to tell you this might be a rough message. I've struggled with this message this week. I didn't even want to really want to preach this message. But I'm going to be obedient and trust God to, we're going to humble ourselves, and he's going to raise us up. Because here's the reality is, again, all of us, man, we get offended, and we are offensive, and we wrestle through that, and we struggle with it. In fact, if we're honest here today, we live in a culture that is diametrically opposed to this. We don't have soft hearts and thick skin. We are a society and we are a culture that has thin skin and hard hearts. I mean, it's just, it's just what it is. But what I want you to know is while that might be the norm for culture, to have thin skin and hard hearts, it should not be an option for a Christ follower. In fact, we're not going to look at one scripture about Jesus today and look at his prescription, but as you look at his life, as you look at how he dealt with people, how he managed tension, how he walked in this world, how he handled his ministry with people, we find that Jesus did exactly this. He had a soft heart and he had thick skin. And we have to find a way to do the same thing if we're going to win in this world. So let me talk about what I mean by thick skin or thin skin and soft hearts or hard hearts. When you talk about a hard heart, if you've been in church for a while and you've grown up in church, you probably are familiar with that term. When we hear the term a hard heart, like it doesn't mean you have artery problems. You hear the term hard heart spiritually means that our heart has become callous. That God's trying to speak to us through his word, that the Holy Spirit trying to lead us in our life, that we're rebellious, we're resistant. Really, it means when you have a hard heart that you're insensitive to the things of God. Did you know that you not only can have a hard heart towards God, did you know that you can have a hard heart towards people? In fact, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said this in Matthew 22. Jesus replied, come on, everybody read these. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. We know that. But this is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Everybody shout those two words. Equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now think about this. Again, we understand that in order to love God, that means our heart is sensitive to God. And if we're called to love people the same way we're called to love God, that means we're called to be sensitive to people the same way we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But let's be honest. Some of us in this room, man, our hearts have become hard against people, against society, against certain brands of people or certain segments of society, certain political affiliations, certain sexual identities, certain socioeconomic, whatever they are on the ladder. Like if we're honest, we as a culture overall have become very hard-hearted towards people. I mean, it's just crazy. I seen, um, I seen a shirt at a fair a couple years ago. I, I loved it. I wish I could get one. I wouldn't wear it because I'm a pastor, but I'd wear it at home where you can't see me. It was, a, it was the coolest shirt, best Christian shirt I've ever seen. Walking down the fair, this guy walks down, and this is what his shirt said. His shirt said, Jesus loves you, and everyone else thinks you're a jerk. Isn't that a great shirt? Gosh, I loved it. Now, here's the thing, man. We live in this society, again, in this culture where it's just so easy. It's so easy to be hard-hearted towards people, to not be sensitive about their struggle, about their issues, about their battles. In fact, when I was in Bible college, um, I, I went to a Bible college up in, uh, in Phoenixville, uh, Pennsylvania, just about a half hour outside of Philadelphia. And 
while we were there, they encouraged all the people in, in the school to get connected in, in a ministry, get connected in some kind of ministry. You can have hands-on experience. And so I got connected with um, an inner-city ministry. Once a week, we would go into the city of Philadelphia, and we would minister to people on the streets. We would preach the gospel if we had opportunity. We would just love people. And one of the things we did, in fact, the very first time I went, we went down into the subways of Philadelphia, which I had no idea until I got there that there's a subway system in Philadelphia. Did you all know that? I didn't know that. So we walked down these steps into the subway. It was about 7 o'clock at night, and the subway had quit running for the day. It only runs at least at that time during the day. And we walked down. I'll never forget this. First of all, at the bottom of the steps was a five-gallon bucket where what we were about to find out, all the homeless people, that's their community toilet. So, I mean, man, just this stench hits you going down the steps. We turned the corner, and there was about 30 bedrolls where homeless people stayed. And when I say bedrolls, I don't mean king-size memory foam mattresses. I mean dirty blankets and mostly just big pieces of cardboard. And so what we would do is we would go down there about once a week, and we would take sandwiches, and we would feed them and just love them, talk to them, pray for them if they would give us opportunity. If they were open in conversation, we would share the gospel. It was just really a cool ministry. And I'll never forget my first time because while I was there handing out sandwiches, the guy I got connected with, the first guy I talked to, he was all about invading my personal space. Now, I'm a hugger even. I like people close, but you can get too close. Come on, somebody. And no matter how much I backed up, he kept backing like further. So at some point, I just yielded. And so I'm talking to him. I got my Bible open, and he's eating this sandwich, and he's talking back. And at some point, he went to answer the question that I asked him. And when he answered the question, I'll never forget this, with a big mouthful of wet sandwich bread and meat in slow motion. I saw this spittle-covered, half-chewed piece of bread like a projectile out of his mouth. And it was coming in slow motion, but I couldn't duck it. And it came, and it landed right on my lip. Oh, and I was like, oh. So I was like, I was like let's pray. So we just closed my eyes so I could wipe my lip off. Like, it wasn't spiritual. It was a way out. Come on, somebody. But here, I'll never forget this. So it was so cool. We did that for, for um, an entire one semester, man. Went there every week, ministered to these people many times, the same people. But I'll never forget that first time there because of that event, because of some other things that happened. I got to lead that guy to Christ. But one of my buddies who went with me, who lived in the same dorm I lived in, I'll never forget as we're leaving, walking back up the steps, this is what he said. He said, those guys need to get a job. Those guys need to get a job. And his point was, hey, man, they're in that situation because they're not doing anything to get themselves out of that situation. Ultimately, what he was saying is we shouldn't care about people because they put themselves in that place. And if we're honest, we live in a culture right now that many of us in this room, including myself, have been guilty of feeling a certain way towards people because that's their choice. That's their decision. They're not doing enough. And if we're honest, where it pulls back to is we feel that way because we don't feel about them because we have a hard heart. And while it's okay to have an opinion, listen to me, our view towards people should never, should never be trumped by our opinion. Should never be trumped by your political affiliation. Should never be trumped. I'm just telling you, Jesus was an Orthodox Jew who knew the law. He was himself the living word. And what you find is while Jesus never compromised the law, Jesus always elevated people first before he got to the law. And as a people, guys, we have gotten so hard-hearted towards people. And it's one of the things that's keeping us in the culture we're in. 
So not only is we have a culture of hard hearts, but we have a culture. I need some people to help me today, and this is you I'm talking about, me I'm talking about. Man, have we gotten incredibly thin-skinned or what? Man, we're offended at everything. We're offended at everybody. And it starts uh, really when kids are young. I don't know about you guys, but I know it feels like to me um, that bullying is happening more. Does it feel that way? Well, statistics say it's not happening more. Let me just tell you, when I was in school, I was a bully and I got bullied. If anybody here was a bully or got bullied when you was in school, raise your hand. Everybody, all the rest of you are liars. You're too proud to raise your hand. Some of you, were, you got stuck in lockers and you lost your lunch money, be honest. It just happens because that's the nature of people. Now, I want everybody to hear me because I don't want everybody to write me a letter later saying I'm insensitive and I have a hard heart. Bullying is wrong. It's always wrong. It's never okay to bully. But, again, we live in a culture where it feels like it's out of control. Studies tell us, there are social studies being done right now that tell us, and there's some other contributing factors that I'm not going to get into today, but primarily what they're finding is there's not more bullying happening, just kids are more sensitive. Because, and we, we all know this, we live in a society right now that, that parents are losing their minds trying to keep their kids safe. Come on, when I was a kid, you would go out and you would climb on metal monkey bars 10 foot from the ground. When you fall, you fell on asphalt, broke your arm, you got a cast, people signed it, and you were cool for three months. Come on. Now, now they climb on plastic, uh, plastic monkey bars that are two foot off the ground, and when they fall, they fall into a pillow of rose petals. And when our kids get up, we wrap them in bubble wrap because we don't want them hurt, and they, they got to wear helmets, and they got to ride safe bikes with training wheels till they're 19 years old. Come on, somebody. When I was a kid, when the car stopped, this was the seatbelt. Mom doing this. Now, kids have to sit in a high seat till they're like five foot seven, 180 pounds. Man, we are, and, and some of you saw you say, Pastor, well, don't you want to protect your kid? Yes, I want to protect my kid. But here's what's happening. All of us need to pay attention. We are overprotecting, and we are helicopter parenting our kids to their detriment. Because not only are we protecting them physically, we are overprotecting them emotionally and mentally. And so what happens is when they get in trouble in school, now we run to the school and we yell at the mean teacher and we yell at the mean administrator. How dare you talk to Johnny that way? How dare you give him a D on his paper? How dare you not let him? And man, we run to it because we don't want our kids feeling any kind of emotional stress. We run down on the field. It's crazy. Our six-year-old sons are playing t-ball. They're hitting a ball off a tee. And we run down and we confront the coach and confront the umpire because he didn't get a fair call. She didn't get a fair shake. They didn't get a fair shot. And we don't want little Johnny, we don't want little Sally to be upset or, here, or, to, or to get hurt. Here's the problem. You will not always be there to protect them. And when it happens, and it will happen, that someone says something to them to hurt them because you have safeguarded them their whole life, it hurts a far worse when they've experienced it for the first time. That's why bullying seems up because people are so sensitive. And I'm telling you, it's not just kids. Well, I got to say this. That's why I love The Voice. That's why I love um, uh, American Idol because finally someone's telling these 23 and 24 year old people, you can't sing. <laughs> like nobody wanted to hurt their feelings. Like, Man, you're such a good singer. No, you suck. <laughs> Go do something else. You're good at something, just not singing. But nobody wanted, we don't want to hurt little Johnny's feelings. We don't tell him you can do anything you, anything you set your mind to. Listen, I can't sing a lick. I've been trying my whole life. So uh, y'all got to hear this, but it's not just kids. It's all of us. Everybody is offended at everybody else about all the ways they're living and choices they're making. We are just an offended culture. And it's because we have such thin skin. 
Everything gets on our nerves. Everything bothers us. We have an opinion about everything. Atheists and agnostics get offended at a public prayer or a plastic piece of furniture celebrating the birth of Christ at Christmas. It's foolish. People, we get upset at Starbucks cups and microaggressions and pronouns and statues, the Pledge of Allegiance and flags. People are offended at everything. And just so you don't think I'm on my high horse up here, Christians, we are the worst. We are the most offendable people on the planet. We get offended at stores. We get offended at their policies. We get offended at the products they're selling. Some of you, listen, you're going to get mad at me for saying this, and that's okay. It's crazy. If you are a person that you boycott stores for a product they sell or a policy they have, you are a hypocrite. Because every store in, public, in the public domain... They are selling something, I promise you, if you track it down, they're either being financed by or selling to or a parent company of another product you don't agree with or they're giving money to something else you don't agree with. So if you're going to boycott Disney and Target, let's boycott it all. Let's be a commune. Let's move out to the country and let's plow the ground together, baby. But we don't. We get offended. We get offended at how people dress. We get offended at how they act. We get offended at what they wear. We get offended at the behaviors. We get offended at their lifestyle. Like, we get offended at everything. Listen to me. Some of you right in this room, you're offended because I'm talking about your offense. Some other you, you're offended because I'm not as offended as you think I should be about the things you're offended about. I'm offended because y'all are offended. We're all offended. We are just thin-skinned. Everything gets on us. And what's crazy is like one small thing will happen to us and we carry it for the day. President Trump, I think, and you may disagree and you can have your opinion, but I have a platform. I think President Trump's doing a great job in certain areas of his administration. I don't agree with all of them, but I have my opinion, you have yours. But here's what I know is the most powerful man in the free world is thin-skinned. He runs to Twitter every time another world leader that, come on, grow up, President Trump. Stop being thin-skinned. The culture we live in has become hard-hearted and thin-skinned, and we're losing. Culture's collapsing, and we can't help culture but the church. We who call ourselves Christ followers, we need to step up to the game, and the only way we can win is with soft hearts and with thick skin. Here's the real challenge is, listen, as, as you go through this, you go through what's happening, at the end of the day, these two things, our skin and our hearts, they're really one and the same. And when I say that, I mean, listen, there are some things that are happening in culture, some offensive things, and they deserve a response. I'm not saying we always stay silent. There are some offenses that deserve a response, but most offenses are silly and deserve a pass. Like, we should let them roll off. We should have some moral fortitude. We should have some strength not to crumble under every word and under every issue and every, under, every political decision and every personal decision that certain groups and categories make. Like, we need to like, grow up. We need to figure out a way to win. Here's the challenge. Here's what I want you to hear for all of us in this room, including myself, who have or are getting offended, who have thin Skin is you got to hear this right here. Your offense won't change their mind, but it'll change your heart. You can get offended at all you want. Listen, it's not going to change what they think, how they behave. Christians, we can get mad. We can get mad at stores. We can get mad at companies. We can get mad at each other. We can get mad at culture because I can't believe they're living like that, and I don't agree with their lifestyle, and I don't agree with it. Listen, it doesn't change them, but what it changes, and what you need to hear is it changes your heart because thin skin will eventually cause a hard heart. I want you to think about that for a minute. 
If you are holding in your heart an offense towards somebody, you cannot love somebody with an offended heart. Love and offense cannot take up residence in the same heart. And so if you're offended at somebody, you can't love them. If you're offended at a segment of society, you can't love them. If you're offended at a group of people, you can't love them. If it works best, you can see it really well when it comes to, when it comes to marriage. Those two things, I want you to know something. Listen, there are lots of opportunities to get offended in marriage. Come on, somebody. Because I said it up front, the two places that were most susceptible or what creates probably the most tension in, in offense is when you are close to somebody or if you're very personal invested in something. That's when you're most likely to be offended. And listen, who are you cl most close to in life? Your spouse, right? And what are you most emotionally invested in your marriage? So it's easy to get offended, right? Come on, I'm just telling you, listen, I got married because I was told that you could have as much intimacy as you wanted. They lied. <laughs> they lied. Come on. Listen, you want, come on, can I, can I just be on the reel today? You want to get offended, go in already and be told no, not tonight, some other time. Fine. Listen, some of you have slept on the couch. I'm not the only one. Fine. Come, please, someone help me. Someone amen me. We get offended. We get offended at intimacy. We get offended because they don't cook like mama cook. We get offended at things they say to us. She forgot, he forgot my, my birthday. They forgot the anniversary. And we get offended at each other. And I'm just telling you, we get offended. I can get offended at my wife. Listen, that's a setup question. Guys, when they say, do these jeans look good? That's a setup question. Run. Just run out of the room. Don't even try to answer. There is no right answer. I ask my wife every Sunday, every Sunday, babe, does this look okay? I'm getting ready to stand in front of a couple thousand people. Do I look okay? Am I presentable? Is this okay? Most times she'll say yes or she'll say no and I'll change. There's times she'll say, eh, what does that mean? <laughs> so should I change? No, you look okay. What does that mean? It's like I'm driving like to church, like what the heck? I'm offended. Listen to me. You can get offended in marriage. And I'm going to tell you the secret sauce of a successful marriage is you having thick skin and soft heart. Because if you get offended at everything your spouse does or doesn't do, they spent money you didn't know about. You found out about this. They said this thing to hurt your feelings. Listen to me. If you get offended, that offense will get in your heart and harden your heart towards your spouse. You cannot carry love and offense in the same heart. The reason we have a great marriage is because I do plenty of things to offend my wife. You better believe I am as selfish as they get. And my wife gives me a mile of grace and refuses to allow my offense into her heart. And that's what keeps us healthy and vice versa. I need to throw in that vice versa. <laughs> and so here's why I share not just the marriage portion. Here's what you need to hear today as a culture. As a culture, the millennial generation, you all are winners. Because you are confronting things that previous generations ignored and tolerated. Some of you are going to get offended that I even say this. But the beauty of the millennial generation is they are fighting for equality in a way that previous generations didn't know they needed to or just ignored. And millennials are standing up for sexism and standing up for racism, standing up for social justice. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Is because you think you have thin skin towards this generation or this segment of society that has been marginalized or forgotten or pushed aside... We get thin-skinned towards them, but you know what it does? thin skin always causes an offense. Now we're just offended at the other group of people. I got a thin skin towards my brown brothers and sisters, but now I'm offended at the white ones. I got thin skin towards poor people, but now I'm offended at the one percenters. 
I got thin skin towards people. Come on, whatever it is, I got thin skin towards people who live alternative lifestyles, but now I'm offended at the Christian right. The answer is not a thin skin. The answer is a soft heart. Instead of choosing stop loving one group just to love another group, the answer is just to find a way through a soft heart to love people. Never allow your position to forget that there's a person involved. And so that's the challenge, guys. Is again, you can only win. You can only win with a soft heart and thick skin. Let me tell you a little bit more what I mean by soft heart and thick skin. When I say a soft heart, the softness of your heart determines what you give people. As you manage this life, as you negotiate relationship, as you walk in this world, the condition of your heart will determine what you give people. When I talk about the thickness of your skin, I mean the thickness of your skin determines on how you receive from people, how you receive from people. When I talk about, again, it determines what you give, the softness of your heart, there's, when you follow Jesus, Jesus always gave people compassion. Jesus always seen people. He always saw their need. In fact, you'll find recorded in Scripture, recorded in the Gospels nine different times, this phrase describing what motivated Jesus to ministry. Not only nine times it describe what motivated Jesus to ministry, but on four separate occasions, Jesus uses the phrase himself in parables about how we should live. And the phrase is this, and Jesus was moved with compassion. Everybody say that. Jesus was moved with compassion. When he saw people that were hurting, he was moved with compassion. When he saw the woman that was sat down in front of him who was caught in the act of adultery, the Bible says he saw her and he loved her. He was moved with compassion. When crowds of people came with leprosy and demon possession, I'm telling you, all this is, Jesus was moved with compassion. And again, because we see people before our position, the religious of the day had it upside down just like our culture. We put our position, we put our religious affiliation, we put our political affiliation above people and it always causes us to have a hard heart. One of the stories we see here in this scripture is there's a man, he's, he's sick. It's the Sabbath day and every good Jew, Jesus himself knows the law says you don't do anything on the Sabbath. Jesus is a miracle worker you can't work on the Sabbath, so you don't heal this man on the Sabbath. That's what the religious said. But Jesus didn't feel that way. In fact, here's how he thought about their feelings. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. It's like, what's wrong with you? You're putting how you were raised. You're putting your position. You're putting your thoughts. You're putting your religion above people. Listen, if your religion doesn't account for people, you need a new religion. Because Jesus came to rescue people. There's only one category of people. I know, man, we live in this world because of thin skin and hard hearts that we categorize on all these things. There's only one category of people. The only one category of people there are are people that need saved. That's it. And, man, we fight outside of those categories. We are playing culture's game of being thin-skinned and hard-hearted. But we got to get back to this place. got to get back to this place. God, give me a soft heart. Help me to give empathy to people. Help me see when people are hurting. Help me care when they struggle. Lord, move me with compassion when people around me are struggling. And I think if we're honest, like we don't, we are so either focused on our own life or so disagreeing with their decisions, so we're not going to give them compassion. And while it's okay for culture, it's not okay for Christians. We have to have, we have to have a soft heart and we got to find a way to get thick skin 
Here's what Jesus said, Luke 17, 1. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. You know what he's saying? Hey, live this life. <laughs> Again, offenses are coming. Some of you, you're going to get offended before you, if you're not already offended, which half of you are. It's not my fault. Jesus said it's coming. <laughs> If you're not offended yet, you're going to be offended at some point. You're going to be offended because pastor walked right by me. He didn't even talk to me. Pastor Adam was standing right there, and he didn't see me. I'm going to another church. <laughs> you're going to get in your car, and someone's going to cut you off. It's the craziest thing. Some of you do lose your religion when you get in the parking lot. We hear stories from the parking team. We fear for the lives of our parking team members. <laughs> They're there to safely direct people. I'm telling you, almost every week we're like, there was a car, and I told them to stop, and they wouldn't stop, and they just kept coming until they physically move our parkers out of the way. Are you out of your mind? But people get offended if they don't get to go first, if they don't get out first, they don't get in the line first, they don't get in Ponderosa or Ponderosa or whatever it is first. I got to eat first. I get offended because they put a pickle on my sandwich, and I said no pickle, and you lose your mind all Sunday afternoon over pickle. What's wrong? I'm telling you, we are so thin-skinned, and Jesus said, hey, there will be plenty of opportunities in the world we live, in the situations we face, in the culture we're in, there will be lots of opportunities to be offended. If you're taking notes, you need to write this down. Others are responsible for being offensive, but you're responsible for getting offended. They're not the same thing. Offenses are going to come. I'm going to have lots of opportunities to get offended at a lot of people. I choose. I choose to allow that offense in. Which means, again, we have a choice. And the way, we do that, the way we do that, the way we manage that choice is we thicken our skin up. Well, how do we do it? Because let's be honest, we're not born naturally with thick skin and soft hearts. But it is part of our spiritual journey. It is part of our growth. Because if that's who Jesus is, and that's what Jesus had, if Jesus had a soft heart and thick skin, and we follow him as our Messiah, we follow him as our rabbi, we follow him as our Savior, then we should be the same way. How do we get there? Paul tells us, Oh. Paul tells us, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must, come on, everybody here read this, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He's saying the same way when you get up in the morning, you're intentional to put on underwear and socks and shoes and pants and a shirt, right? Like you're intentional to put clothes on. He's saying you need to be just as an intentional with the help of the Holy Spirit to wrap your heart in tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility. Like he's saying, with the help of the Holy Spirit, determine that you are going to have a soft heart. I'm going to have compassion and empathy about people who I don't even agree with their lifestyle. They're people. I don't agree with their opinion, but they're people. I don't agree with the situation they're in that they've allowed themselves to get in. And if I was them, I would never get in that situation. They're people. So God, help me to wrap my heart in tender-hearted mercy. Help me to have compassion and empathy. And as far as thick skin, Paul addresses that too. Make allowance for each other's faults. Come on, read this. And forgive anyone who offends you. So if your skin is thin and the offense gets in, you got to decide, I'm going to forgive. And that's how you thicken your skin. He ends it this way. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. He's saying no matter how high you can measure your offense, he's saying our offense against the holy God because of our sin is far greater than any offense someone else will cause against us. And if our Heavenly Father can forgive us, then we should forgive others. So every day, people are going to offend you. They're going to say things to you. You're going to see things, experience things. 
And you and I, me especially, God help me to get this right. I got to let that roll off. I got to be more durable. I got to be less thin skinned. Lord, help me to be thick skinned. Help me to forgive. God, every day, help me to wrap my heart in tender mercy, compassion, empathy. Help me to have a soft heart. Because here's a question, here's the thought I want to end with today. What if Jesus was thin skinned? What if Jesus was thin skinned? I already told you, thin skin always leads to a hard heart. And you can't love a person that you have an offense against. What if Jesus was thin skinned? If you follow his ministry, his entire life in ministry is filled with people being offensive towards him, his call, his purpose, the way he does ministry. People are scandalous. People are name-calling. Let's just talk about the last 24 hours of the life of Jesus and consider the question, what if Jesus was thin-skinned? In the last 24 hours of the ministry of Jesus, he was betrayed by one of his disciples. He was denied by one of his disciples. The rest of the disciples fled and ran from him. The religious falsely accused him. Witnesses came in and lied against him. Pilate washed his hands of him. The Romans crucified him, and the soldiers mocked him. There are lots of people that Jesus could have been offended at. But you know what Jesus did? His response to all the offense wasn't thin skin. It was thick skin. It was to let it roll off so it wouldn't get in and harden his heart. And this was his decision in all the offense. Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Jesus wasn't thin-skinned, and he died. What would happen if as a faith community, as a church, as a group of believers, we lived in this culture, that even though culture is thin-skinned and hard-hearted, what if we chose intentionally with the help of the Holy Spirit to begin to live our life? We could win. Come on, we can win. But it's got to start with soft hearts thick skin. So Father, I pray in Jesus' name, God, today, help us. God, help me. God, help me to shed the offense, and God, help me to not be as offensive as I've been, and to be easily as offended as I've been. Lord, help everyone in this room. God, help our skin to get thicker, and our hearts to get softer, to have compassion towards humanity. God, that our hearts will break, no matter who they are, what their background is, what their profession is, what their lifestyle is. God, help us to love and care for people. Because, God, we can win with soft hearts and thick skin. In Jesus' name, amen.